So I feel a lot better this week than last week. Thank, thank you, everybody who's, who prayed for me. Um, God's, um, God is good. And I, I, towards the end of the week, I've started feeling more like a regular person. Um, and I was really grateful. I'm very grateful for your prayers. Grateful for God's faithfulness. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this. <clears throat> this uh, Antioch Declaration. Remember in Acts chapter 13, we get this very long, detailed picture of Paul's sermon, but I, which I think is Paul's standard sermon. You, you know, <clears throat> there, there are pastors who are famous for, for delivering certain types of messages, teaching certain types of things. You've got uh, Billy Graham, powerful evangelistic messages. You, you have uh, guys like John Wimber who had powerful healing messages. You have people like Chuck Swindoll who were just so anointed at just teaching people how to apply the word in their lives, great storytelling. And I think Paul, what we saw in this big long sermon that he preached at, at Antioch Pisidia, is a good example of how he approached proclaiming the gospel, this grand, this brand new message that had never been heard in the history of the world, the, the, the way that he approached it. And uh, it started out with a long history, because he was preaching to Jews to start with, a long history of Israel leading up to when Jesus broke onto the scene. But after he connected all those dots, he said, he gave them these three points. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, I love this, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Not just your sins are forgiven, but how many of you know that's one thing to have your sins forgiven and another thing not to be able to get out of bed in the morning because you can't figure out how to get your life together because you're still struggling with with brokenness and wounds and uh, heaviness and fear and uh, stuff that just drags you down. And you know your sins are forgiven, but you're thinking to yourself, so I guess I'm grateful that my sins are forgiven, so eventually I'll go to heaven. But for now, could somebody please just shoot me? Okay, so so having sins forgiven is wonderful. But it, as you put your faith in Jesus... The doors open to complete freedom from all those things that have been eating your lunch and breaking your heart forever. Healing and deliverance at a deep, deep level. How many of you know that, that, that doing better and trying harder doesn't necessarily fix anything? It just can make you feel more like a failure. So... The law of Moses, do better, try harder. Here's the good news. If you just believe in Jesus, if you just receive from Jesus what he's done for you. So step one, hey, hey, everybody, your sins. I am proclaiming to you today that right now, Wayne, your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. Every single one of them. 
Um, even the ones that you haven't forgiven yourself for yet, your sins have been forgiven. Jeans, your sin has been forgiven. Chuck, your sin has been forgiven. Barb, your sin has been forgiven. April, your sin has been forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, your sins were forgiven then. Boom. Done. All over with. But you have to receive Jesus. You have to put your faith in Jesus in order to begin to reap the benefits of that. Because when you put your faith in him, then you begin, you set in motion a process where you are eventually freed and healed. Not, not instantaneously, but, in, but the process starts where you are going to be healed and freed of things that have been dragging you down for years, for years, for years. So and the third point is, so while God's doing that, continue in the grace of God. That's a three-point message. Hey, everybody, did you know your sins are already forgiven? Even all you people who've never set foot inside of a church and never walked an aisle, your sins are already forgiven because Jesus died for you. But wait, if you want to experience any of the benefits from that, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you get freed of all this other junk that you've been using drugs or sex or alcohol or money or, st- pre- or prestige or fishing or whatever it is that you've been using. <laughs> whatever, you've been, whatever it is that you've been using to try to get some temporary relief from your bondage, you're freed from all of that. And all you have to do while God is working this out in your life Trust Him every day. Rely on His grace every day. Be still and let Him be God every day. Three-point gospel message. And y'all, this preach is really easy. And this is something that with just a little bit of practice, you could start telling people. I mean, it's, how hard is it? How hard is this to say, your, your sins are forgiven, you feel, you put your faith in Jesus and freedom and healing starts to work in your life at a, right down to the cellular level. And all you have to do is just trust his grace and let him work in your life. Bing, bang, bang, bang. Is that awesome? So we can start telling people this right now. You can, start to, you can, put this on, you can post this on Facebook this afternoon, uh, Laura. Um, uh, because, here's the other part from the book of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the ability to start telling people what you've experienced in your life with, and everywhere you go with miraculous results. This, this three-point declaration, you start telling it to people, sharing it with people however you share it, and the Holy Spirit comes and anoints it, and it starts touching people's lives. This... This is the book of Acts principle, that the Antioch Declaration, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and boom, confirms it by all sorts of incredible, amazing things. Isn't this awesome? Isn't, isn't this wonderful? And, I mean, and this is how it was in the book of Acts. Everybody says, well, I wish we could just go back to the book of Acts. Why well, do want all these modern theological... We, we don't need Rudolf Bultmann. We don't need Karl Barth. We don't need any of those German theologians. We just want to get back to the book of Acts. Right, well, this is the book of Acts. The Antioch Declaration and this power proclamation right here. The power principle. 
doesn't have anything to do with today's sermon, but I just, I'm just reminding you of it because I think we shouldn't forget about this, all right? Here's today's sermon. Uh, <clears throat> so, tell me what's going on here. What? So, first of all, what movie is this from? Um, so, I need, I mean, right now there are like 75 Star Wars movies. You have to be more specific than that. Uh, not the first one. Uh, this is from The Empire Strikes Back. <clears throat> um, Randy wouldn't have a clue about this, so it's being... Okay, but, <laughs> but this, is, this, is a, this is the climactic moment and the Empire Strikes Back when something life-altering happens. Somebody tell me what's happening during this scene. Um. Now, and so what, what's, the, what's the line that Darth Vader says here? No, I am your father. All this time, Luke Skywalker has been fighting this guy, thinks he's the devil. Now he turns out, turns out the devil is my father. Don't you just hate it when, when you find that out? No, I am your father. At that point, he jumps off of this thing and falls all the way down to the bottom of the space station and ends up hanging on like just by uh, his finger to a little antenna uh, out in the middle of nowhere. All right, so now this, for those of us who saw the first Star Wars movie, which came out in 1977, this was like 1980, everybody was waiting for the next movie to come out. The next, oh, they made a sequel. First one was pretty good. Now we're waiting. But there's making a sequel. How exciting. How exciting. I wonder what it's going to be like. Uh, and uh, I have a good friend of mine uh, back from those days, Richard Curley. And we were living in Marble Falls. We have to wait for stuff to happen in Marble Falls. <laughs> but he was still living in Austin. And so he, he, went to the, he went to see like the first weekend it came out. And he, and he, like, called me up on the phone. And he said, well, it was a wonderful movie. I can't, I can't wait for you to see it. Wow, who would have thought that Darth Vader was Luke's father? <laughs> now, uh, I forgave him. Uh, but don't you kind of... Don't, when you're involved in a story, don't you kind of hate it when people spoil... Spoiler alert, um, when people tell you stuff, because you like to experience that story for yourself, right? Big revelation. You want to be able to, to be in that point and say, Oh my goodness, did you just hear that? Did you hear what they just said? Oh my goodness, he's Luke's father? I never saw that coming. Wait, no, Richard Curley told me about it three weeks ago, so move on, next. Have you forgiven him for that? Yes, I, I have. Um, but, that's right. Okay, so, so the point I'm trying to make here is that when we're in the middle of a story, we like to experience the story, right? We don't want, to, we don't want it to be spoiled by spoiler alerts. All right, hold on to that thought. 
Okay, so Paul and Barnabas are wrapping up their, their first missionary journey. And last week we in this in the Lycia, I think is the name of the city. Lissa, Lissa is the name of the city. Jews from Antioch and Econom, they came down. They run over the crowds. They stoned Paul. They dragged him out in the city, supposing him to be dead. Uh, because usually when you stone somebody, seriously, if you're serious about stoning somebody, they usually end up dead. Uh, and his disciples, in typical fashion, were just standing around. Just standing around. We don't know what to do now. Paul's been stoned. He's dead. What are we going to do? And so finally, out of frustration, Paul just gets up and goes back into the city. (laughs) Turns out uh, he either was dead and then he wasn't, or he never was dead. He just looked dead. But at, at any point, boom, they're standing around, shocked, dismayed, and he just gets up. Not only does he get up and, and is resurrected, and, and at which point their jaws go like. But then he marches right back into the city where they stoned him to death. Instead of saying, guys, we've got to get out of here, hurry. Um, he just turns around, dusts himself off, marches right back into the city of death because he had unfinished business there. We tend, when we're facing stuff that makes it feel like we're dying, we tend to run away from it. When we're facing stuff which we think is, might have the power to kill us, we want to run away from it. Uh, I'm not saying that that's not a good idea sometimes, but it all depends on what God's calling you to do. If you've heard from God that you're supposed to be ministering inside that city and they're trying to kill you, that's God's problem. It's not your problem. You get up and you go back in. Um, you trust God and you face it. Uh, you probably scared a lot of people. Oh, darn. Uh, but the last thing you do is just stand around and wring your hands. You seek God. You hear from God. You obey God. God is perfectly capable of making himself clear. If, you don't, if you're not hearing from God about a situation, it's because God doesn't want you to know yet, which means you can, st- you can rest and wait from him, for him. But most of the time in the Bible, it's not that people didn't hear from God. It's that they heard from God and it scared them to death and they didn't want to go back into the city because they just stoned me. God, didn't you understand? I'm not welcome there. Uh, well, that's why I'm sending you back because uh, I need to be in there. I need to, you need to go back in there so I can be there. And so that they can see what happens when people mess with me. All right, so that was last week. Uh, the message to you is stop standing around. Just uh, seek God, hear from God, stop standing around. Got it? All right. So, and this is how we wrapped up last week. The next day, they left uh, Lissa and they went to Derby. They preached the gospel. And what gospel did they preach? Sins forgiven. Yep. Trust in Jesus and you'll be free from everything and continue in grace. They preached that gospel uh, and they made many disciples. Uh, and then they went back to Lystra 
And they went back to Iconium, and they went back to Antioch, three different cities that they had been chased out with threats of death. Uh, And they found the disciples they'd left there. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, continue to trust what you've been told, continue to trust Jesus, keep on keeping on, don't just stand around. And they said, oh, I didn't spend much time on this last week. Let's read this blue part together. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. How many tribulations? Many tribulations. Uh, In other words, if you are serving Jesus, if you are following and being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, is it all free and easy and clear and and puppies and kittens and sunshine and roses? Uh, Wasn't for Paul. Um, The devil doesn't want people to hear the gospel. And if... He's going to do whatever he can to shut you down so the, and stop the light from coming out of your life because he doesn't want people to hear the truth. So there are going to be tribulations. Don't take it personally. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't freak out. I've overcome the world. I am bigger than the world. It's going to be okay. So then they appointed elders... In every church, they prayed and fasted and they appointed elders and then they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed and they left. Um, God, God has way more faith in his ability to work in your life than you do. I'm going to say that again. God has way more faith in his ability to work in your life than you do. Look at somebody, turn around and and look at somebody and tell them that. Look them right in the eye and say, God has way more faith in his ability to work in your life than you do. April, Linda, God has more faith in you than you do. God has more faith in you than you do, than you do, than you do. Because he, I don't know how long that he'd been running around up there, several months probably, but he went back to each one of these cities where he'd spent several weeks and he just picked some people out of the crowd and said, you're going to be an elder, you're going to be an elder, you're going to be an elder, lay hands on them and pray. Hasta la viva, baby! And, and he left people there to be elders with no scriptures, no New Testament, uh, n- n- no uh, instructional guides, no tapes, no CDs, no DVDs. Um, He just said, commended them to the Lord. So, in other words, said, okay, we're we're turning you over to God. Just continue in grace. And it took people who had never been elders in the church in their whole lives because there had never been a church before, who who two two months ago didn't even know who Jesus was. Boom, congratulations, now you're an elder. Because Paul was confident in God's ability to do something in James' life that not even James was confident would happen. God has more confidence in his ability to do things in your life than you are. I don't think any of those people went, Woohoo! I'm an elder! Drinks are on me! It was like, whoa, I don't even know what an elder is. I need to go on Wikipedia and look this up. Uh, They just put those guys in charge of the church and they moved on. God has much stronger 
confidence in his ability to do things in your life right now than you do. Because it's not about you. It's never been about you. God didn't pick the smartest one or the people that was, I mean, he didn't pick the one with the most experience leading a church. I mean, there wasn't one. They prayed. God said, it's going to be Gene. It's going to be Ann. It's going to be Peggy. I see my time's up. Got to catch my train. Goodbye. Just trust Jesus. I'll check you later. Incidentally, Paul spent a long, spent a lot of his time afterwards writing letters to people, <laughs> saying, "Wait, why did you do that for? No, it's got to be this way." I mean, he didn't just leave them hanging out to dry. He, Paul, Paul didn't write over half of the New Testament for no reason, uh, because he was continuing to send letters to people to encourage them and strengthen them in their faith afterwards. But there you go. That's all last week. Um, uh, so okay there's Derby, Lister, Iconium Antioch, Pisidia, all this stuff happened up there then they went to Pamphylia and there's a couple of cities in Pamphylia there along the coast next to Lycia they get in a boat and they went back to this Antioch over here that's the last leg of their journey so that's what we're going to talk about now uh, after going through Pisidia they came into Pamphylia and when they had preached the word in Perga, which was the main city in Pamphylia, and they preached the word in, in Perga, what did they preach, Gene? That's right. Continuing grace. They preached that gospel message. Uh, and then they went down to Atalia, which is just a port, they got on a boat, they went back to Antioch, I love this, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. They went back to where it all started. They went back to Antioch, to the main Antioch, which is where the whole, their, their first missionary trip had been launched. And, and now it was done. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them, through us. God did all this stuff. He used us. He, I mean, we saw lame people get up and walk around. We saw people who didn't know Jesus end up being elders. We saw signs and wonders. We saw people flocking to the gospel. God just showed up. Y'all can't, you can't believe, you're not going to believe what happened. We just showed up. We just preached them this little three-point message. And then people just flocked to the gospel. We saw the power of God everywhere. God did all these things. There was, n- <clears throat> there was n- no doubt in Paul and Barnabas' mind that they had been that they had front row seats to the power of God. And they went back and reported all that God had done, and now he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That, the big takeaway, guys, you'll never believe this, completely freaked us out. We thought we were going to the Jews, and we went to synagogues, and some Jews did accept, but then the Gentiles just came out of the woodwork. It was like everywhere. We were overwhelmed by Greeks and Romans and Carthaginians and um, all of these other people with unpronounceable origins. Uh, God has opened... You're not going to believe this. It's astonishing. God is changing the whole world, the gospel from the whole world. We saw Gentiles coming... 
having their eyes open and embracing Jesus and coming to the Father. And it, it, we'd never expected this. It took us completely by It blew our mind. Like day after day. Oh, and we got stoned a couple of times. But then more Gentiles got saved. It just amazing. They couldn't believe how awesome it was. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples in Antioch. Because they were tired. They were tired of hiking around. And they were tired of being stoned. And they... Uh, they needed a little bit of rest, so they stayed in Antioch. But I love this verse 26. They sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. The work that they had now completed started at the beginning, we're at the end of chapter 14. This work started in the beginning of chapter 13. I want to go back and show you. We commented on it at the time, however many months ago that was. Um, here it is. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, this was a whole chapter ago, months and months ago now, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I put the question marks there for a particular reason. These question marks aren't in the original text. I, I added them later to represent what I think must have been going on in their brains. When, they, when, the, when the prophets said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, this, what do the, the question marks represent? What work? God, okay, we don't mind being set apart. We don't mind being sent out. What are we supposed to do? What work do you have for us? Uh, where's the game plan? Where's the, the, where's the manual? Um, a, a, a little help here. Um, God, we just want to get this right. We don't want to disappoint you. We don't want to fail you. We want for you to be glorified in our lives. So God, just tell us what it is that you want to do. Tell us more about this work and we'll just jump right in there. We'll just... We'll just do it. We'll just do it for you. We'll do it for you, Jesus, because we want because we love you and we, and we want to serve you. So just tell us what the work what it, what's the work that you want us to do. So they fasted and prayed and got bupkis. They fasted and prayed. Said, okay, he sent them off. Go on, go out and do the Lord's work. Whatever he's called you to do, we, we, are, we are commending to you uh, to do the Lord's work. Don't forget to write. And they didn't have any, I mean, they didn't have any idea. They didn't have any idea what that was all about. Uh, but now, the end of chapter 14, they arrived back at Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they didn't have any idea what it was at the time, but now it's clearly been completed. People saved, 
filled with the Spirit, drawn in, Gentiles coming from everywhere in this part of the world that didn't have any access or understanding about Jesus before. Boom, 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 all this stuff. The work that they started in chapter 13, even though they didn't know what it was, now completed with amazing, astonishing results. They didn't have any idea what, they were, what God's plan was. They were just obedient, and they just went, and they were led, and they trusted the Holy Spirit, and boom, 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 stuff just happened. Not because they had a plan, and they had it all figured out, but because they were willing to trust Jesus and be obedient and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and God showed up. God God showed up. (laughs) It is so wonderful. And let me just tell you this. That's not the way we like to live. God is... You are in the middle of a story. Linda, you're in the middle of a story. Mike's in the middle of a story. Anna, you're in the middle of a story. We are all in the middle of a story that God is writing. God has work for us to do. And he has set us apart for that work he has for us to do. And we want to know all the details about what it is. We want to know the story. We want to know every chapter we want to know every plot development we want to know the end we want to know how it all turns out we before we trust god and before we get involved in obeying and walking with god we want to know everything so we don't mess it up and so we have a little bit of warning prepare ourselves if stuff goes away we don't want it to go that's not the way the kingdom of god works and it's also not the way our, our brains normally work. I did not want to know in advance that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. And Richard spoiled that for me. It's okay now. We're all good. It's 40 years ago. Uh, um. We normally, we don't like for people to mess up our stories. We like to experience the story. We like to see the story unfold. We like to rock along with it. We like the thrill ride of the ups and downs and the twists and the surprises and the wow, did you see what just happened in that story? I never saw that coming. Isn't that amazing? But when it's the story of our lives, no, no. No, we want to control it all. We want to know everything about it. We want to, the more we know about what we think God is doing in our lives, the more we can control it and be God ourselves. But that's not the way this works. That is not the way this works. Uh, Somebody tell me who this is. This is Captain Marvel. Now, some of you don't even know yet who Captain Marvel is, and that's that's fine. He he started... Yes, this... Uh, in the true spirit of, of comic book culture, people who write comics can change up the story anytime they want to. This is a character from the newest Marvel Disney 
superhero movie. Uh, and in the comic books, Captain Marvel was a guy. But ever since Wonder Woman in DC, uh, DC and Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Marvel has to come up with a female character. Um, and so they, they just hijacked Captain Marvel and declared that in the movies, Captain Marvel is going to be female. Uh, and, and it's had a, a big... Uh, first couple of weeks, it's just exceeded everybody's expectations. We haven't seen it yet, which is the purpose of this picture. Uh, because we, a couple of weeks ago, remember we kept Sam and Laura while John and Penny still had to do work in Abilene and the kids were on spring break. So we kept Sam and Laura. And we talked about, you know, maybe going to see a movie. Uh, when we asked the uh, that's before I knew I was going to spend most of that time in the hospital. But they, uh, we asked, would it be okay if we take these kids to see the movie? Have they, have they seen How to Train Your Dragon 3? No, they haven't seen it. Penny, Penny says, oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, so do you think it was okay? Um, um, we haven't seen that one either. Uh, but Penny and John said, just one thing. Don't go see Captain Marvel. Because we haven't seen it yet. And we want to go see it. And if you take the kids to see it, then they'll tell us all about it. And so don't take them to see that movie because we want to experience it for ourselves. We want to experience... Our, our brains are wired to live according to stories. Our brains take everything that happens around us and turns it into a story. Our brain... Prop, prop, processes everything that goes on to our lives in terms of how is the story going? Do I like this story? Do I not like the story? Is it going to have a happy ending or not? And we spend all of our time in our lives trying to rearrange the stuff in our lives to make sure that we get a happy ending. That's the only way our brain knows how to understand anything. So we want to control our own stories because we don't want to be surprised. But in every other aspect... We love to just rock with the... With the uh, everybody knows that a movie starts out kind of interesting, a little bit of a thrill ride, thrill ride then you get to know the characters, then uh, you, get, you set off on a journey, then you have a few triumphs, then something horrible happens, uh, and you think, this is a stupid story, I want my money back. But then you just stick with it, and eventually a couple amazing things happen, a tw- twist happens, and... It turns out to be okay in ways that you, that you couldn't imagine. It turns out really okay, and you leave the theater going, yes, wasn't that the best story you ever saw? That was amazing. That was wonderful. We loved it. But you had to stick all the way through to the end. Right. This is no different. We live in a never-ending story. The story of Jesus Christ and his love for us, and how he is constantly working, taking us through the story of our lives to the happy ending that we know. It's already been promised. The happy ending is there. The victory is there. It's going to be okay. It is okay. Some, some of you have never heard this story. I'm going to tell it again, and we'll be through. Uh, when uh, our oldest granddaughter was two, I guess, when Alice was two. She was watching The Princess Bride, the movie Princess Bride, 
maybe a little bit too scary for a two-year-old to watch in spots, but and they were, there's the point in the fire swamp when rodents of unusual size, about the size of sheepdogs, were chasing uh, the hero and the heroine around. And there were little miniature volcanoes going off and, and lightning sand that would just suck you down. It was very scary. And the RUSs were chasing them around. And, and, and Alice was sitting on the couch by herself watching this very scary thing going on and kind of huddled up like this saying, it be okay, 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 it be okay. Because okay. even... Alice, at two years old, knew that in the middle of a scary part of a movie, the scary part was not going to last forever. It'd be okay. It'd be okay. I don't know where you are in the middle of your story right now. It's a never-ending story. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And even if you're in the middle of the fire swamp, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. God, God, he's given you some good news. Your sins are forgiven. That's settled. That's done. At the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. It's done. Your sins are forgiven. If you believe in Jesus... You have to, in order to access what he's done for you, you have to put your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, then all the benefits of what it means to have your sins forgiven just come washing over you. And everything that has been eating your lunch and knocking you down for all of your life, you are freed from that in a gradual process of healing and deliverance as Jesus starts this work of making, him, making you more like him. And all he asks of you is to just be still, let him be God, let him keep working in you, continue in his grace, which never stops. God's grace is like a big old fire hydrant that never stops. You turn it on, it just washes over you day after day after day. So all you have to do is just stay right in the middle of that stream of grace. And keep trusting him. He's going to do stuff that only he can do. So stop trying to be him. And surrender to him. Let's pray. Lord, we, we apologize that sometimes we are... Everybody's a critic. And sometimes we cri- criticize the way you are writing our story. Forgive us, Lord. We know we give us the wisdom, Lord, to trust your grace while you continue to write our story. And along the way, Lord, help us to be more aware of this simple declaration as we run into people who need to hear it, Lord. Did you know your sins are already forgiven? Did you know that if you put your faith in Jesus? All the stuff you've been struggling with is going to eventually be wiped away. 
And you don't have to do anything except just rest in his arms and let him carry you. That's all there is. That's all he asks. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to become people who are good storytellers, to tell our story as we live our story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.